Hey everyone, I was just editing the E3 special you're about to hear when Microsoft announced their new achievement system. I couldn't let this show go up without discussing the contents of that announcement, so right after the E3 special we have our first free TA podcast DLC pack. I managed to grab Michelle to go through the achievement changes and what they might mean for TA, and also to get her thoughts on E3. So keep listening after the E3 chat to hear all that good stuff. Enjoy! The True Achievements Podcast E3 Special. On today's show, can Microsoft's exclusives respawn their image? DRM drama. Sony puts the boot into Microsoft's policies. Dead Rising returns from the grave as the third installment is announced. And Forza 5, Forza Win. A pun so good, my driver tar made me replay it. All this, plus the new achievement system, on today's True Achievements Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another very special edition of the TA Podcast. We are here to talk about E3, which happened this past week. A lot of amazing news, a lot of announcements, a lot of reveals, and we learned a little bit more about the next-gen consoles. So uh, we have another select crew with us today. Uh, I, of course, am OSU Blue Jacket, otherwise known as Jay. I'm the editorial manager here on the site. Uh, with me today, we've got Rich. Hey, I'm Rich, a.k.a. True Achievement, um, and I wrote the website. And we've also got your favorite, my favorite, the favorite of everyone in your heart, Dog of Thunder. Hey, I'm Dog of Thunder. I'm one of the news hounds for True Achievements, and I'm also the charity events manager. Excellent. All right, well, we've got a lot of stuff to cover, so let's jump right into it. Um, let's start off with this Microsoft press conference, and we'll start things off with talking about the Xbox One. Um, so the big news to come out uh, for the Xbox One was the pricing uh, and the release window. Uh, they didn't give a date, but they said it's coming out this November, and it's going to cost 400 and 499 US dollars, 499 euros, or 429 British pounds. Uh, so taking that in and of itself, that, that's pretty much what I was expecting uh, when they were kind of going through revealing the Xbox One. That's kind of how I expected the price to break down. Uh, November, I think nobody was shocked that that was coming. Uh, Rich, uh, do you have thoughts... Pricing, release date, any of that good stuff? Um, release date was, as you say, totally expected. Um, pricing, um, I should probably mention, there's a little bit of hurt over on this side of the pond, as usual, that we don't seem to get a fair deal on the exchange rates. But um, it should be noted that the US price excludes your sales tax, whereas the UK and Euro prices include our sales taxes. So the difference isn't as bad as it initially looks. Um, 429 I was expecting it to be three nine nine, but um, thirty pounds for next gen doesn't really make a huge difference to me. Um, and I was quite happy with this price. 
until about seven hours later. Yeah, we'll talk about that and the other press conference a little bit later down the line. Uh, Dog, did that price point scare you off from getting an Xbox One, at least initially? I know we've we've talked a little beforehand that you have some concerns about it, but is the price point one of those concerns, or is it uh, just other things that have come out through the woodwork? It's, it's not the other things that have come out through the woodwork. The price point is a little high for me personally. I'm looking forward to the first price drop because we know one's going to be coming. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is that is a given at this point, and we'll talk about the more as we get closer to the end of the press conference. I think what bothers me with this price point, though, and something I just want to mention, that Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, that price is just for the basic console with one controller. You're looking at paying another $100 for another controller and Xbox Live service, so... That is very true. They did not change yeah. that. Um, obviously, Xbox One comes with bundled with Kinect. Um, yes. Where, whereas you don't get a similar accessory on the PS4, I don't no. think. You, you don't. It doesn't come bundled with anything like that. Which, that does you know, speak to the level of integration that it's going to have in a lot of the games. If, uh, if Kinect is a mandatory addition to the Xbox One, which it is, uh, it's going to encourage more developers to find ways to use it. Whereas, the, I believe it's called the PlayStation Eye, is not bundled in. Uh, so developers can just choose to ignore that uh, if they want to. Which, you know, gamers, both sides of the aisle on that, it is what it is. It's a fact at this point, so you will have choices and you have decisions to make. Um, moving on down the line, um, we did get a little more clarification on this used game policy. Uh, basically what Microsoft has said is they, as in Microsoft, the console maker, do not have a quote unquote used game policy. They are leaving that up to the publishers. So basically they're kicking, you know, the issue down the line to every publisher saying that they can set their own DRM, uh, however they want to do it, which I think the the best way I kind of wrapped it around in my brain was that Microsoft is telling publishers, we have the toolbox if you want to lock down used games. We have that there for you, but it's up to you guys to make that decision. Um, so, Dog, what do you think? Any, any thoughts on this uh, online verification system? Rich and I were talking about this earlier today, and we both basically agreed that within a certain number of years – um, I say five years maximum. Um, DRM like this is going to become a non-issue. It's simply going to become something standard as more and more games go digital. This is what we can expect. My biggest issue with the used game verification comes from Microsoft's messaging. Even now, I don't feel like I know enough about it. Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, Rich, I, I know you were doing a lot of comparison and contrast, and we'll, we'll kind of end the podcast with our comparison and contrast on that. But Rich, what, what are your thoughts on this this system Microsoft has put in place? The, the problem I see it is that I still, I mean, I've done a lot of reading on this. I've, done, I've read a lot of interviews. I've read all the official announcements, and I still don't really know what's going on. And that is a ridiculous place to be at this point in time. Um, so, you know, it may not be as bad as everyone's fearing. It may be worse than everyone's fearing. Um, the key thing I, I guess that we can take from this is that Microsoft are not going to be making money out of used game sales, uh, which is what a lot of people assumed was happening with this policy. Um, and they, as you say, they're living it up to the publishers to decide the, how it's going to work for each publisher, um, which in itself poses interesting questions for them because they're going to have the, possibly the same game coming out on two platforms with 
entirely different use game policies. So how's that going to affect things? Um, I don't know. As you say, it's it's very difficult to make judgments about how this is going to work. Also, it's really interesting because Microsoft, in addition to being the, the console manufacturer, they're also a first-party publisher. I mean, I kind of want to know what they're going to set as their own policy um, for this because they're going to have to figure it out when it comes to games made by, like, 343. So. Well, Microsoft actually did mention that at one point where they said that for the Microsoft-published games, they won't have any sort of... Uh, I think they said they won't have any sort of fee on it. My only question is that even though they leave stuff up to the publisher, is that you can only give a game once built into the system with every game, or is that something that has to be turned on? Yeah, again, everyone has more questions than answers at this point, which is so infuriating because Microsoft is this... They're a big boy company, and they should have big boy representation being able to make sure you know facts are as clearly stated as possible, and, and I all real I think we all realize there's a certain matter of legality involved in any of these conversations, but there should be clear statements that the company line can fall back on. It's crazy. They've had three weeks since the reveal where all of this really sort of kicked off to come up with a you know a unified message and to explain how everything's going to work, and they haven't done it. And um. You know, they've only got themselves to blame for the for the furore that is surrounding this at the moment. I, I mean, as we mentioned on our on our little um, be, before we started recording here, the family plan. I don't I don't recall that being mentioned at all, or the specifics of what defines family. Yeah, no, I think they just said ten people in your household, which yeah. is you know, how does that work? Yeah. Is it based, presumably, could be based on IP address. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, because that could be a great program yeah. and that could be, great be honest, for people with, with children dog but... i honestly see a lot of the things that they they're announcing as having benefits if they're done right i i, I yeah. honestly don't see that they've come up with as many ways as they possibly could to screw gamers i don't think they set out to to create this confusion but they've just handled the whole thing so badly i'm sure they're i'm good this is going to sound incredibly naive but i'm sure their intentions are good and their reasoning is sound but they need to get that across. Well, I think their intentions are good for what they want because they want to, as as quoted, the concept of ownership is morphing. And every game on the Xbox One is going to be available digitally. There's no point in getting a retail disc. No. Everything's downloaded anyways. You have the license. The license is what matters, not the disc. I mean, they're going through the same growing pains Apple did with iTunes, yep. Valve did with Steam. Exactly. When those were first announced, people hated them. You go back to any PC forum when Steam was announced, and people were screaming for Gabe Newell's head on a pike. Yeah, exactly. Now you yeah. look at it. I can't imagine a PC game without Steam. I love it. And I think that's where they've gone wrong. They've assu- I think they've assumed that every one of their um, core audience has used iTunes, has used Steam, and they're going to be just automatically okay with all this. But clearly, you look on the TA forums, there's a whole ton of people that are not happy with this. And I don't blame people that are not happy with this. Everyone has their own opinion with this. This gets very personal very quickly because we're talking about the concept of ownership. What does that mean? What is Microsoft going to do? We don't know. We want Microsoft to tell us. Yeah. 
I mean, there are things from it that we do know that I like. I like the fact that I can go to my friend's house without taking any discs with me. I can turn on his Xbox One. I can log in in my profile. My game collection is available to me. My saves are available to me. I can literally carry on any Xbox One in the world from where I left off my game. I mean, that's that's amazing, really, isn't it? I mean, to, that's a pretty cool thing. But all yeah, of that's I, I been think, lost in uh, everything else. I think the furor kind of stems from the, the change. I, I, I always fall back to there's a very famous scene in Wayne's World where Rob Lowe's character is walking up to Garth Algar, and he says, we're going to talk about some of the changes. And Garth's like, we fear change. And I think that's the way every gamer is. You know, Changes are both good and bad in that we are changing a lot of things that gamers have felt very comfortable with for this entire generation while we're also giving them these new things. And gamers see them only as taking away the things with which they've grown comfortable instead of seeing some of the new things too. That's the problem. I think change, if it's... If it's explained why it's happening and the benefits from it, clearly, then people... I mean, there will still be people that hate that change. But some people will get on board with it. Like, it's only because I've done so much research that I sort of realise some of the cool stuff that I'm going to be able to do with this system. Yeah. Um, So other things that were made a little more clear uh, were the fact that the Xbox One is going to need to check in online every 24 hours to even play single-player games, which... All of us live in in first world countries. We all have reasonably reliable internet. It's not a huge deal for us. But there are places in middle America, some places in Europe, you know, some places on other continents where internet is less reliable. And that could be a huge deal breaker for some of these other uh, countries, other, other people who don't have that ready access to the internet. Now, when it comes to our forums, people are complaining about that, and I don't get that because... I understand, you know, we have a very plugged-in community. You need to be plugged into the internet to really utilize TA. Yeah, that's true. And, and when people complain about having to be online, it, it to me, it's like complaining about having to breathe air or having to drink water or having to sleep. I sort of agree, but there are people that do have valid points. Like There are people that take their consoles to work if they've got particular jobs. That, yeah, that's true. You know, and but um, there was a really awful interview with Don Matrick that went up on YouTube today where this was put to him, and he said, we have um, we have allowed for people with bad internet connections. It's called the 360. And the oh. interviewer just sort of almost fell over. It was like, what are you doing? Stop Whoa. it, stop it. That, that, is, that is horrible. Yeah. I had not heard that yet. That's basically... Oh, it, was, it was so bad. He, I mean, seriously, Microsoft, if you're listening, you can hire me. <laughs> I will work marketing for you. Look, I will tell your executives my hamster not would do to a sound job like this. <laughs> it's frightening. Oh, goodness. Oh, it, it, that was such a bad interview. I mean, I get his point. I understand what he meant. But hmm. one thing I learned from this E3 is that um, company executives should not be put anywhere near a microphone. Yeah, quite. I don't care what company they work for. Just, just, just no, yeah. no microphones. So, obviously, messaging, online, used games, these are things that have a lot of gamers upset. But let's let's talk about a happy note. Microsoft points are going away. <laughs> I think this yeah. makes everyone just a little. That's great, happy. unless you've got a balance of twenty one thousand points. Well, <laughs> no, no. Even then, it doesn't yeah, matter no. because this was balance. also lost in the messaging. <laughs> They are converting your leftover Microsoft points to the equivalent Ooh, currency. 
do we get stung? Like if you go on holiday and you change currency once and then you come back with some and you, you change it back, <laughs> you always get stung a little bit. Is there a little little tax? Oh goodness, yeah. <laughs> so Microsoft points going away. Um, the other news that that just came out today um, is that they uh, Microsoft has released the new Connect parameters and the space you're going to need. So um, the recommended minimum play space for single player gamers for the Xbox One's Connect is four feet seven inches, which is just under a meter and a half. Uh, and then for two player games, they need about six feet or about one point eight meters from the sensor. So Play space is obviously going to vary depending on what game you're playing, what you're going to be needing to do, all that type of stuff. But it's less space, which is going to make this a lot better for you know smaller uh, apartments, smaller gaming spaces, that type of thing. Do you know what the current Connect One uh, limits are? I feel like it was six or eight feet, something like that. I, so it's quite a considerable difference. Yeah, I know it was so great that I knew one would not fit in the current configuration of my living room without like moving around my moving my, sofas, my sectional yeah. sofa. So we never, I, I still don't own a Kinect. Um, unfortunately, Michelle uh, Matrark couldn't be with us today because she's our Kinect guru. She would be, have that number for us instantly. Uh, but yeah, it's <laughs> much less space needed for Kinect. So that's another okay. good thing that will definitely make some, uh, some people happier. Mm. Actually, on the Kinect, um, they did also clarify that the listening for the word Xbox on uh, can also be switched off. So it doesn't have to sit there listening constantly. Yay, Big Brother's not listening. Exactly. Uh, and then the other thing that our community has already gone a little bonkers over <laughs> is the Microsoft Store achievement. You get an achievement for pre-ordering your Xbox One, which uh, uh, it's nice, but our community's taking it up a notch in levels of ridiculousness. <laughs> I quite like this. I like it because I can see who on my friends list is buying a One. Well, or no, at you, least pre-ordering and cancelling a one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I like um, that Microsoft is doing this. It's it's a, a cool little thing, like like just a little freebie for those people that want to support them. I mean, it, it costs nothing extra. It's just something cool to have on your game. Yeah, I, we should just, also point out it's zero gamer score yeah, before yeah. people get worried about that. Um, yeah, I reckon though, if you do do it and then you cancel it within the same day, they should take a thousand gamer score off your score. Oh, punitive, punitive. <laughs> so many people were talking about doing that on TA. I could not believe it. So I pre-ordered mine through a normal um, games company, online games company. Will I receive a code for this or something? Do you know? What you will receive a code for, according to everything I've read from Microsoft, is a code for your special day one launch achievement. Oh, so I get a code for it, okay. Yeah. Because I was quite surprised they were popping straight away when people were using the Xbox Store. I assumed it would it would happen on sort of launch day, really, but um, interesting. Yeah, apparently for day one, it's a separate achievement. Oh, so there's two There's a Right, okay. So yeah, I won't get yeah, this Yeah, this achievement one. is just for pre-ordering the Xbox One. But I have pre-ordered it, but not through the Microsoft Store. No, you didn't do it correct then. Well, it wasn't available in the Microsoft Store when I pre-ordered but I can cancel my pre-order and pre-order the yeah. store. Everyone else is. Oh <laughs> yeah, and then cancel their Oh, event. goodness. So, yes, pre-orders. You can pre-order your Xbox One now. Get an achievement. Hooray! Um, 
let's march it back a little bit. Talk about uh, Microsoft did not abandon the 360 at E3. They've said they are going to support the 360 uh, all the way through, I believe, 2016. Uh, I know I personally just bought a brand new Slim uh, about a week ago, so I'm very happy to hear that. Uh, especially because now I can play through all my backlog without worrying about my 360 dying on me. I think it was 2017, actually. But um... Oh, awesome. Even better. Yeah. Um, but the first thing, and our community jumped on this right away, it was the mo- Monday morning, um, the morning of Microsoft's press conference, where many Eagle Eye gamers spotted that Fable 3 was free um, on the Xbox Live marketplace. And so... Every gamer under the sun who had a gold account started downloading it, thinking it was some sort of a glitch or something mm-hmm. messed up. Um, it, it was such a big deal that we even covered it uh, as a story yeah. on the site. And we usually don't cover uh, stories like this that are apparent glitches where something I is had, mislabeled for free. I, I will not lie. I had no less than 12 PMs about this and another 10 messages on live about this. So I thought yeah. someone should put something up because yeah. um, it's a free game. Yeah. So it, it comes out during this press conference that... Uh, Microsoft is doing a new program that is going to give two free games per month to gold members through, I believe, December. So Fable 3 was the first one, uh, and then next month, uh, gold members are going to have access to Assassin's Creed 2, which is spectacular, and Halo 3, which is also very, very good. So those games are old, yes, but they are very good. Fable 3 I have issues with, and I could probably spend an hour talking about oh, it. Oh, that's the only one I didn't have. Three, <laughs> yeah. Those are three pretty big games that Microsoft's just given out for free to loyal gold members. They are, so. but you have to think, how many people have already got those those games? Yeah, I have all three of them. Yeah, and most, most hardcore gamers will have Assassin's Creed 2 and Halo 3, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but other news coming out is that uh, there is a redesigned 360, which is evidently in retailers now. Um, they redesigned it to look more like the Xbox One. Price points are still exactly the same as they were for the old slim models, so it's it's just more of a, a redesign in the looks. Uh, they didn't really speak too much about changing chipsets or updating, you know, fans or anything like that. No, they said it was smaller and equally as quiet. I Which think were the words. that was the thing that blew me away once I got my slim is just how quiet it is. I knew my Xbox was yeah. loud. But I didn't realize how loud it was until I got that slim, and I couldn't even tell it was on. So that's great. Um, but moving on, we've got tons of games to talk about. And we're just going to start with uh, what was announced at the Microsoft press conference. Microsoft kicked off E3. They were the first to go. Uh, and the first game they showed off was Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Uh, now, I know while I was watching this trailer, I, I know... I'm not the hugest fan of Metal Gear Solid Five or, or Hideo Kojima, but I, I was watching this and I'm like, ooh, Red Dead Metal Gear. That mm. was the, the first thought that My I had. My thoughts entirely. Um, but it, it does graphically look impressive. It looks yeah. so, so good. And, and that that's a credit. Kojima's games always look great. Um, so I, I think this is a big deal, the fact that uh, Metal Gear Solid Five is going to be on the next Microsoft platform. Uh, and, and that's obviously a huge deal, uh, Dog. Uh, I know you're you're much more into that scene than I am. What, what are your thoughts on Metal Gear Solid Five? My thoughts are that we can't make any assumptions about this game. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. The only assumption I could make is that it looked really good, and it has a horse. Yeah. Well, and the news came out that <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland is doing the voice Ooh. of Snake. It's not yeah. going to be David Hayter. Who's always done the voice of Snake? It's you know big time, twenty actor from Twenty Four. Jack Sutherland. Bauer. Jack Bauer. 
if you're going to switch a voice actor, that that's a good change to make. Yeah. I mean, it won't be the original, but that's that's good. Yes, I agree. Um, so, so Rich, you're not terribly into Metal Gear, but did, what, what nope. did you think of that, that demo? I thought... Um... Certainly, graphically, it was incredibly pretty. I loved the bit where um, he sort of hid behind the horse as they drove, as he rode past the the enemies. Um, that was cool. The weird fast forwarding of the demo did my head in a little bit. That was very strange. Yeah. Um, where they were speeding it up to to get to the next interesting bits, but sort of made me think there's probably quite a lot of boring sections in this game if they're having to speed up time. It's a Metal Gear um, Solid game. Yeah, exactly. I was waiting for the four-hour cutscene, but um, that didn't arrive, uh, fortunately. Um, the animations looked cool, and there was a bit where the, he was um, sort of on the ground, crawling up um, up a, a hill area. That looked really smart. The weather effects looked good. Yes. yes. Um, I thought the location, the setting was interesting in Afghanistan. Yes, I thought that's that, very um, interesting. Yeah. Um, I thought the soundtrack was pretty terrible. <laughs> But again, I, I think that's standard for Metal Gear games. Yes, it is. And some of the, and on a, on a similar point, some of the characters' names were ridiculous. Uh, Skullface and Codeman, or, or something similar, uh, were very strange. Well, but, um, and the fact that we had a sniper wearing a bikini, because everybody knows tactical bikinis are the wave of the future mm. for frontline snipers. Um, yeah, no, I will. I think this looks interesting. I'm not a massive fan of stealth games, but. Um, I will I will definitely try a demo of this if there's one that comes out. Yeah. Um so Oh, we should also note that it was I thought it was quite interesting that they kicked the show off with this. Yeah, I thought it and was yes, too. And yes, it wasn't an exclusive. Whereas they had, you know, maybe nine other exclusives in the show, and yet they chose to do a non-exclusive for the first game. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think that's really interesting too. And it's not like they didn't have as big of titles uh, you know, coming later in the press conference. So I, I agree, Rich, that was a really interesting nod. I wonder kind of what went on behind the scenes to get that to happen. Um, so after they showed off Metal Gear Solid Five, they, they kind of circled back around to the 360, um, talked about some of the games that will be coming soonish to the 360, and they kicked things off with one where, I, when when this trailer started rolling, I was incredibly confused. I had no idea yeah. what this game was. <laughs> I have to agree. Um, but it's, it's World of Tanks, which evidently is a huge free-to-play PC title, which is coming to the Xbox as a free-to-play title. Now, Dog, before the show, you said you you know, you know were very curious about this. Uh, what can you tell us about World of Tanks? All right, well, World of Tanks is, um, oh, boy, how did, it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's Everyone controls a tank. You have clan battles. It's a, it's a multiplayer game. I think they announced that the 360 version is going to have 16 on 16 battles. Actually, it was 15 on 15, which I thought was a very odd battles, number to choose, yes. but yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's interesting, because it's all online, it's all team-based, mm-hmm. um, well, depending on what mode you're in, but basically you start with some tanks for free. Okay, and I was just about you, to ask, what's the revenue stream here? Yeah, what's yeah, in it you, for them? You start with some tanks for free, and as you play the game, you can um, build up some in-game currency, or pay real money to unlock different tanks. And the tanks have different, you know, abilities and stuff that they do. Some are better at, like, long-range firepower. Like, you see some of the tanks there that, um, like, some of the Chinese tanks. You have some German tanks in there. They're all modeled after historical, actual tanks. Some of them are slightly tweaked. Some of the later ones they've released for a PC have gotten a little fantastical. But for most parts, historical-based. 
And it, yeah, it's just, I'm really curious to see this on the 360. I never thought this was going to happen. Because it's free to play, I imagine there'll be a whole ton of people that download this and give it a try. I certainly will do. Um, oh, yeah. It could be interesting. I, the one thing about the, the trailer they showed, it seemed to be a lot of exactly the same footage from a slightly different angle with a slightly different background. There was maybe a hundred shots of tanks shooting at each other. It could have been a quarter of the length of that trailer and not lost any of the impact for me. I, I agree. I felt mm-hmm. like it drug on for quite a while, especially when you didn't when when we didn't know what it was. <laughs> it was like super huge trailer and I'm just like, what is this? Oh world tanks, <laughs> what is that? Um, but again that's my naivety just being a console gamer. Um, the next game they shown off was it is seemed a little bit out of left field, um, but it's called Max the Curse of Brotherhood, uh, mm. which I, I don't know what to make of this. It, it looked kind of like a, a colorful limbo almost. That's exactly what I thought. Limbo, but not as gothic. Yeah, so I, I, it looks interesting. I think, you know, I'll poke in and keep an eye on it, but I, I don't know if I'm exactly the type of person who, who's going to run out and, you know, purchase it to play. I think from the video, the actual the development team looked more interesting than the game itself. <laughs> they uh, <laughs> they seem pretty crazy Danish types. That um, I would I'd love to go and visit their studio. They they, I, amused, they amused yeah. me. Yeah, I feel like they they have to have some fun in that studio. That yeah. looked pretty fun. Um, the next game they shut off is the complete and total opposite. Um, we're talking Dark Souls two. Uh, I just started playing Dark Souls this past week. I'm about ten hours in. I understand its appeal. I I. I I told somebody I'm enjoying Dark Souls as much as one can enjoy such a punishing type of experience. So it's going to be a huge game just because Dark Souls built up such a rabid following, looking, yearning for that hardcore experience. So that's going to be a very big deal. Uh, I'm going to follow this with a little more interest now since I've actually jumped into Dark Souls 1 and am getting somewhere? Question mark? (laughs) Uh, yeah, well, Dark Souls 2, did they announce a release date for this one as well? I do not believe they did. Uh, for I some think reason, they, I want to say... Yeah, for some reason, I want to say April, but I don't know where I got that from. Right now, um, TA, our site says the release date is March of 2014. So, it's coming. Um, the next game announced, uh, we've moved back into Xbox One, and I, I think as a blanket statement all the games we're going to be discussing looked fabulous. Yeah. In fact, that was the noticeable thing, I thought, when we saw it, we saw um, Metal Gear, and then we went back to the 360 stuff, and it really was noticeable, the, the difference in the frame rates and the and the quality of the graphics on all the Xbox One yeah. demos compared with the 360. Yeah, the, the, the textures, just the, the textures looked amazing, the graphical fidelity looked incredible, um, lights, you know, smoke, shaders... Everything looked so much yeah. better. I've been I've been raving about the 360 sort of the last year. The games that have been coming out, I've I've, I've been amazed at how much they've managed to squeeze out of that um, hardware. And this really was noticeable. I suppose when you see it side by side, it is going to be. But it really was a noticeable step forward. What I noticed the most with this uh, Rise demo was the character models. Mm-hmm. Yes, the way they, they moved, that, and there were so many of them on the screen moving the same way. It was it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're obviously talking about Rise, Son of Rome, coming out of Crytek. Which Crytek, I don't think they've ever made a game that didn't look no. great. No, no, that, that's but what they do. That's that that yeah, that is what they do. But this, I mean, it it just looked so nice. And the the only downside I can say about that demo was that it seemed to rely really heavily on quick time events, which is 
I really, I know we're going to have them for a while, but I really hope this generation gets rid of quick time events. Um, I, okay, so what happened was it was like a, a beach style landing, wasn't it? It reminded me of Saving Private Ryan, this yes. opening scene, yes. but set, set a long time ago. But, and there were these huge fireballs coming down, which you know, gave the opportunity to show some lovely lighting effects and fire effects. Um, and some pretty gruesome arrows, fl- arrow wounds getting um, impaled on people as they come up the beach. But you're absolutely right. Every time there was any sort of battle sequence, there were um, button hints above the enemies. So press B now to do a, a, a block, or press X to do an execution move. And I'm really hoping that this is just the first level tutorial intro section because if it's like that the whole game i mean it wasn't as if they were hard to learn it was b for block x for execution move and occasionally a y and thrown in as well for good measure but it, it was unnecessary that it kept going throughout the whole of the demo i really think that first scene on the beach was plenty to have learned those moves i i thought that was odd yeah so uh, that is definitely a game i will follow with interest um as we get closer to its launch it, it looked great um, and we should note that's an exclusive as well. Yes, that is an exclusive to the Xbox One. Uh, another exclusive, I believe, is Killer Instinct. It's coming back, and it's coming back in a little different way. It's going to be a free-to-play game where you can either buy the game outright and get all the fighters, or you can download a free version with one fighter and buy fighters individually. So free-to-play, we knew it was kind of coming, and, and it's definitely coming. I know, Dog, you have some thoughts about Killer Instinct. Uh-huh. Um, first off, this is this is not the Killer Instinct that we know and love. Um, if you dig into it, Rare has nothing to do with this game. It's being developed by Double Helix Games, and their track record is, shall we say, spotty. The way this game works is you're going to start with just Jago as your one free character. And if you want the rest, you can either pay for them or get the season pass and get all of them at once. And it's supposed to be a showcase for the new matchmaking system on the Xbox One, in which it's a more intelligent matchmaking system, and it'll be looking for a match for you to play while you do something else on the Xbox One. Right. They, they showed that off with Rise. Yeah, so I think, I think Killer Instinct will be a great... Um, free-to-play trial run of this new matchmaking software. And if it works as advertised, it's going to be really cool for fighting games moving forward. Uh, The next game is one that I was instantly charmed by this. Uh, I'm going to definitely watch it, but it's Sunset Overdrive. Coming from Insomniac Games, who just released Fuse. Um, They're kind of famous for, like, Ratchet and Clank. Um, And this looked... To me, Sunset Overdrive looked like what would happen if you told Pixar to make the zombie apocalypse. It looked so fun and just so kind of like lighthearted while at the same time dangerous. I thought it looked great. I'm very interested in this. I thought Borderlands straight away. Just the open world, the variety of weapons, the sort of cartoony style. I was like, oh my god, this is a Borderlands type game. Um, with a load of enemies. I don't know. It could be cool, couldn't it? I like the idea of the... So this is one of the first games that's going to really make use of the Xbox Live server infrastructure that they're building uh, with the 300,000 servers that they've been uh, raving about. So the it's going to be a huge open world game, but the, the, 
the areas in the world are going to be constantly changing and they can um, adapt based on how the community is doing. And it sounds, it sounds that sounded more interesting than the actual look of the game to me. Um, is how they handle all this um, changing living world, I think he, he referred to it as. Not just an open world, a living world. Yeah, the actual gameplay looked okay. It didn't look like anything special. I think all the next-gen bells and whistles of this game is going to be the background functioning of it, how that world changes, how it's persistent. That could be really cool, but oh, the, that graphic style, I, I immediately thought Borderlands as well. And I was actually a little put off by it just because it was so bright. Yeah, it's it was very bright. a big departure from the browns and the grays and the greens that we're so used to. Sure now. is. Yeah. yeah. It, it just, I also it, looked as if it was four-player co-op, didn't it? Which, which yeah. again, made me think Borderlands. Yeah. yeah, it definitely looked like it was co-op. So Sunset Overdrive, obviously, it looks, looks very unique. Well, we can kind of leave it at that and move on to the game that has stole... Rich's heart. It's it's literally. I think if we were to take an examination of Rich's chest cavity, there's a little part of his heart that just has F5 on it. Uh, because I'll tell you we what, had... though, next to it is one that's got P1 written on it. Did you see that McLaren they brought out? On oh the stage? gosh, that was gorgeous. Wow, I am Only not two a gearhead, but that was I gorgeous. I want one of them. <laughs> so um, McLaren came out and they started talking about four to five, um, showing off more gameplay, looking gorgeous. Um, but I think the the big takeaway from this press conference was the announcement of this Drivatar thing, where the cloud, and it, I feel like details came out that I wasn't particularly aware of, but basically the game is going to learn how you drive and then create a quote-unquote Drivatar that is going to drive in races while you are not actually playing. So it's going to create a more active sort of virtual version of you, so when other people are playing... They're playing against a virtual you. I think that's kind of how yeah. I understood it. But Rich, why don't you go ahead and, and regale us with how much you love Forza? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's got to be the worst named piece of technology since the Wii U, hasn't it? Drivatar? Really? Drivatard, I kept oh. thinking whenever you said that. Um, <laughs> it's just terrible. Anyway, but apart from the name, the tech looked cool. When they showed the, um, the footage of him uh, or his car from a previous race... Uh, driving along, and then there was a little caption at the bottom of all the stuff that he was doing, like cut inside, pressure the car in front, draft the car, block behind, and you saw all the other cars reacting in a more realistic way, or a more human way, should we say, than your standard AI. That looked cool. Um, I, I think the other stuff sounds interesting as well. So when you're playing online and um, your other friends aren't actually online, but you can play, I get the impression that they will... Uh, have their own driver tires that, that race in your races uh, that will race in the style that they would naturally race. I think that sounded interesting. Um, it sounds like it's quite a lot of processing to, to make this happen, which I guess, again, is the, the making use of the cloud computing. Um, but it sounded interesting, didn't it? I, I, the only thing that concerns me is that it's a racing game with a lot of human AI. Everyone's just going to crash at the first corner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it was really neat when they talked about how they're going to make racing AI less artificial, more based on actual humans. I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, so, it certainly sounds cool. I mean, the proof will be in the pudding. I think that with, I think that this game in the Drivatar is a perfect example of um, the good that can come of requiring the online check-in. Because mm-hmm. if you don't go online with this game, you're not getting the full game. 
it was built from the ground up to take advantage of the Xbox One's capabilities. Yeah. It could not exist before this system. I think that's Correct. cool. And again, Microsoft Marketing Department, hire me. I'm available. Yeah. And you could say the same about Sunset Overdrive. I mean, that constantly evolving online world, that's only made possible because of people who are constantly connected. Yeah, so now they're using it in a driving game. That, yeah. That's incredible. I'd also just like to say how pretty it looked. Again, I know it looked pretty before, yeah. but it looked even prettier this time around. <laughs> well, coming back kind of down to a game that looks a little less pretty, um, afterwards uh, they started talking a little bit about indie games. They mentioned Minecraft, which Xbox One's going to get a version of Minecraft. Great. Uh, and then a little bit later on, they mentioned this new roguelike game uh, called Below from the makers of Sword and Sorcery EP. It looked really interesting. Uh, what little they showed of it, I mean, it's obviously not meant to look look super amazing uh, as far as like you know graphical fidelity that'll blow you away and polygon counts and all that stuff. But it looked kind of interesting. I want to learn more about this game because it seemed like uh, something that could be neat. Yeah, it looked like you'd need a big TV to play this game. The characters were probably the smallest characters I've ever seen in a video game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely very small. tiny. It, it was a top-down. I mean, as you say, we only saw a couple of, not even a minute of it, probably. But it was. It reminded me of Gauntlet, the old um, arcade yeah, cabinet, where that. it was sort of looking over the top, very small characters. Um, but I don't know. We, we will need to see more. I assume it's yeah. an XBLA title. But, um, well, if it's coming for the Xbox One, it's it's technically no such thing as Xbox Live Arcade anymore. But it's okay, definitely going to be yeah, it's going to be a probably smaller game. Yeah. 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 What, what I just love is that someone at an E3 press conference from one of the big publishers actually said the term "roguelike" on stage. Yes. <laughs> that was yeah. that was incredible. So um, after the quick sojourn into two indie games, um, we're going to come back to. A game that has a lot of us very curious, uh, just because we still don't know what it is. Um, that's Quantum Break from Remedy, which they showed a little bit of at the Xbox One reveal um, a few weeks ago. And we got to see a little bit more here. And they talked a little bit about how it works and showed off a little bit more of what you'll be doing. But again, it's it's still one of those games where it looks neat. It looks really cool. I'm interested and intrigued, but I still don't know what this game is about. Yeah, we guessed, didn't we? In the last podcast, we discussed um, how they'd cut the live action with the with the gameplay, um, and right. we guessed that there might be some sort of TV element. And it seems that's exactly what it's going to be: a weekly TV drama with you playing the game in between the TV shows. And they said the choices you make in the game create your personalized version of that TV show, uh, which is a you know this is a new concept. Um, it could be great. I don't know what happens if you go away on holiday for a week and miss one of the shows and don't get to play your game. I don't know how any of that's going to work. Um, but certainly graphically, I mean, we talked about the facial stuff on Rise, but the the, the facial animations on the Doctor when um, she was sort of suspended in, in um, still time. Yeah. Um, and she was yeah. sort of, that was just almost, that was Uncanny Valley stuff. I mean, that was seriously incredible. I thought that was the best graphic representation out of any of the stuff I saw in the demos. Yeah. I mean, even when you take a, a look at something like uh, L.A. Noir or uh, the PS3 game Heavy Rain, mm-hmm. like there's still, you can still, it looks good. It looks real-ish, but it didn't look real. And we're getting closer to that Uncanny Valley, which it's, it's incredible. <laughs> um, so after Quantum Break, we got a little bit of a teaser into a new game called D4 uh, from the makers of Denly Premonition. Um that, that's about it. 
I, I, <laughs> I just want to say that for some reason, the makers of Deadly Premonition have an Xbox One launch title. <laughs> who, who saw that one coming? Who had yeah. that marked down on their bingo card for E3? Yeah, that was exactly. unbelievable. You have to say that the launch lineup looks pretty diverse. Yes, I mean, there's a lot of different different style games. This was quite a cool. Um, again, a bit like um, uh, Sunset Overdrive. This was a, a very unusual comic book styley graphical yeah. cell shaded. It, it reminded um, me a lot of the game for thirteen. Thirteen, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. It looked cool. I mean, as you say, we didn't see very much of it, but it looked interesting. So after um, showing off D4, there was a bit of a diver- divergence into this thing called Project Spark, which um, is some sort of a game creation tool where you can actually you know, make and share games and work with other people. It, it basically looked like the Xbox One version of Kodu, which uh, in my previous life and in my other roles, um, I managed some science and tech camps and uh, we used Kodu as part of our video game camps for building games. And it worked really well with the kids. And, and I could see this as, you know, the natural evolution of that. But aside from that, I mean, yeah, it, it's nice to know it's there. But I don't have a lot of interest in it. How about you guys? I, I don't have a lot of interest in it. I thought it looked really interesting. I thought it looked cool. It could be fun to mess around with for a little while. And it, it, something like this is going to be totally dependent on the community and sharing of creations, and if they can, if they can get you know that little big planet sort of thing going on, it could be a cool hit for them. But other than that, I don't see most gamers spending much time with this. No, that was the, that was the first thing I thought. Little big planet. Um, this probably had the most annoying uh, person on stage yes. out of all of the demos. So, uh, why have a, a script that involves trying to sound enthusiastic almost constantly? It's never going to work. Uh, and he had to sound surprised at various points as well in, with the script. It just—it's just terrible. Um, I just—I don't know. They go get him, rock stuff. man. Oh, yeah, get him, rock that was man. One. Oh, uh, ready to rock and roll. Yeah, oh, please. Um, the thing that really concerned me about this. So they—they they put together a very basic level, I suppose you could call it, uh, in a in a couple of minutes, really. And then they said, and uh, this is what we gave to our team three days ago. And then there was sort of a fast-forwarded um, video of, of the level being made bigger. But it took a, a whole team, three days, and what they came up with at the end wasn't particularly impressive, I didn't really think. It looked uh, bigger, it more stuff. It looked bigger, but I, that sort of made me think, how hard is it going to be? And this is the same with Little Big Planet, and people do persevere, but how hard is it going to be to actually make something that's cool? Yeah, right. So uh, the next thing they shut off was more integration with Smart Glass, um, using you know your mobile device or your tablet to interact with games and applications on the Xbox One. So so th- that's kind of neat. Um, I know other press conferences, which we'll talk about some of these games uh, in a little bit, showed off games that can actually utilize this feature a little bit. Um, but Smart Glass, uh, Rich, I know you had some some really interesting thoughts on Smart Glass, I believe. Yeah, this looks really interesting to me. So it's, I think it's going to be built into every game. Uh, and the interesting stuff they showed with Rise was a timeline. So they were showing the level that you were currently on. And it had, they said tips, gameplay tips, which sounded interesting. Obviously, TA sort of style uh, solutions or some sort of guides. But also videos, so DVR recordings of your friends that had been playing that level as well were all accessible um, and it was the, the interesting thing for me was that it was relevant to the stage you were currently on. So it was all pulled in. 
um, context sensitive, effectively uh, content. Um, the the problem with this, as it always is, is if you're playing a game with a controller in your hand, are you really going to put it down to pick up your right. iPad, tablet, phone, and then go and do something completely different? I just I, I can see if there's two of you in the room, and maybe your friend, you know, you're sharing, you're playing the game together, and they might want to look at other stuff. But if it's, if you're playing it on your own, I just don't see it being used. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the same problem that the Nintendo Wii U is having with their, you know, um, controller, which has the the same thing as a smart glass in it. Is they're finding that people don't really look down to use it. You you look down, it's like taking your eyes off when you're driving. Um, but the, I, I suppose the most interesting thing on here was when they they did the matchmaking that we discussed earlier for Killer Instinct. Switched instantly to that game, had a game with it, and at the moment the knockout punch was delivered um the game dvr message popped up at the bottom to say um recorded this knockout automatically which is really cool and it was one button to go and edit that video and then push it up to xbox live uh i thought that stuff was quite cool and they also showed twitch tv integration so i I think at any point in any game you can broadcast what you're doing on twitch um that looked cool it's even it's even more involved than that because you can use the built-in connect and so you can actually narrate and give commentary as you're streaming live. I'm kicking his ass. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, using the camera, you can actually have video of yourself sitting there in the corner as you're playing the game. So people on Twitch can see you playing the game and you commentate it for them live. All from your Xbox One. No extra HD PVR yeah. required. Interesting. All the streaming right there in the box. Definitely cool. interesting. <laughs> I, I think it's neat. I'm glad it's there. I don't know how much I'll use it. That's Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> uh, another game that, that looks neat that I'm not sure how much I would ever use is Crimson Dragon. Um, it's been pushed back, pushed around, changed, delayed, moved all through the 360, Xbox Live, retail, everywhere. But evidently it's coming as an Xbox One title. Uh, I, I think it's still going to be using Connect, but... Um, yeah, Crimson Dragon, it's alive. It's coming. And then, uh, moving from there, we go into Dead Rising 3. This one surprised me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it, it was, I did not I did not see this one coming. I did not see the direction that they're taking this game in coming either. Um, I've been reading up on this one and basically reading every article I can find talking about this game. Um, because even though my gamer card doesn't reflect it, I really liked the original Dead Rising. Dead Rising 3 does away with the time mechanic. There's no time pressure to get tasks done. Unless you turn on a, a, the hardened nightmare mode, and then they turn it on for you so you can get that old school experience. <laughs> but this game also uses a smart glass. Yeah. yeah. To call in the... Um, so in the demo, he called in some artillery support using smart glass. Yeah, and they say that it'll also bring up like a little map of the area you're in, so that you now can see cool. like abandoned storefronts, and you can see like inventory supplies on the smart glass. So you can have mm. someone else on the couch with you calling in the airstrikes oh, and basically neat. telling you where to go to survive the zombies. That's really cool. I, I it, it's that. a real it's a yeah. real interesting sort of co op experience you can get with this game. The the one thing that, that that uh, depressed me with this game was hearing um, Capcom say that they were going for a Call of Duty-like experience. Oh. Well, I think that's that's more... I wouldn't get depressed by that. What I would say is that's just a buzzword. 
Like, if you're in I a board so. meeting and somebody says we're going for a Call of Duty uh, style experience, <laughs> like the, yeah. the boardroom's going to light up because they love to hear that. Yeah. Um, what I think they would they're meaning by that is they're what, what I would say is they're wanting it to be a big seller. They're going to want a lot of people involved in it in some sort of connected way. That, that's kind of what I would say they're coming from. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the demo looked really cool. It, it, it's Dead Rising. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's open Well, I, I thought that when the demo opened, the first thing I thought was, this looks like The Walking Dead TV show. Yes. I mean, it really yeah. was almost identical. I, I was um, blown was away by the demo. Zombies. The, the, the demo for this yeah, game was, impressive. was, I thought, one of the most impressive ones I saw in the conference. I really liked this one. I liked how they did it. I want to know how many zombies you can have on screen at one time. Lots. I, I feel like th- this <laughs> this demo, like many other, of, of the other really good ones, gave a great sense of what this game is actually going to be like, rather than just a CG-produced trailer. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I think that was really cool. It felt frenzied. It, it felt kin- like kinetic. Um, just running from place to place, trying to survive. To me, that that sounded really cool. Um, I like the weapon com- combination stuff. Yes. I know that's been previously in the series, but it's, it's cool to see that return. Yes. Um, yeah, it, it looked good, didn't it? I, the thing that impressed me most was probably uh, the way that he, the scale was enormous. Like the the draw distances were huge, and yet he fell through a building mm-hmm. into the bottom of the building, and there was no load times. It was just this is the building, and through the window you could still see that enormous area behind and, it, and they they made a point to say this is a huge open world with zero load times yes um yeah. it tells you the potential yeah that's that that's my biggest one of my biggest hopes for this generation is that we'll get rid of loading screens in game i have such high hopes for sandbox games in this generation i hope that's an example mm-hmm. of how detailed and how big they can make these worlds yeah so uh speaking of another big detailed world uh we got confirmation the witcher 3 uh, is coming to Xbox One, which I think we already knew about in advance, but it, it's nice to know that it's coming. Um, I have The Witcher 2 in my backlog. I'm looking forward to getting into it. Uh, I'll probably need some sort of a palate cleanser between Dark Souls and Witcher 2. Uh, but uh, it, it's very popular, and it looks great. So uh, I'm excited to kind of follow that and eventually get into it. But I think that the the demo that stole a lot of the show and EA brought it back with a different demo during their press conference was Battlefield 4. I know, Rich, you were talking about the Uncanny Valley. This game yeah. looks like it's getting there. Uh, I am not a Battlefield guy. I'm not a Call of Duty guy. I don't typically like military shooters. But I'll be darned if that wasn't impressive. That that demo looked spectacular. The flame effects, the smoke, the, the water, just the way the water, the water behaved in that demo, um, the way the weapons and the character models kind of worked together, the seamlessness of it all, it, it just looked really spectacular. And that wasn't even the best part of it. The best part came later at the EA conference. Yes. Oh, Ooh, tell me what lady. happened in that. So the highlight for me oh. on the Xbox conference was the jets sliding down the stricken aircraft carrier and, and oh, smashing that's on the way down. What that happened in nothing. the EA? Yeah. In the EA conference, they had 64 players on stage playing a massive match. And as they're going from point to point... There was a, a part where they go into a large building to get to this checkpoint at the top of the building, and the building starts to collapse around them. They jump from the top floor of the building, use wingsuits and parachutes to get down, and you see in real time this building just crumbling and falling to the ground. It, it was honestly I, – I read some people were like a little shocked because it was very kind of 9-11-ish. Right. But that's because it looked so realistic. Sure. 
it looked amazing. And, was, and they, they pulled, like, an Italian job thing, like, where they blew up part of the street underneath and a tank fell through the street. Yeah. It was, oh, gosh, it looked incredible. Yeah. Obviously, Battlefield survives um, on the strength of its multiplayer. Um, so that sort of stuff is really cool that you can do that in the multiplayer. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty obvious that EA took the Frostbite engine, and when they brought it to next gen, it, it, it's they powered this up. It was unbelievable seeing that building going down. That was that that sold me on the game. Yeah, that that looked really cool. So, Battlefield Four, obviously, very very impressive. Uh, just to note, not an exclusive, but the first DLC packs, uh, map packs, are coming to Xbox One as to- I believe timed exclusives. Yep. Oh, that and Battlefield yep. Four smart class integration. They brought back the commander from Battlefield Twenty One Forty Two. So on your smart glass, you get a map of the multiplayer match. You can see everyone moving around, and you can call in supply drops, artillery strikes, all from your smart glass. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, The next thing that shut off wasn't a game so much as it was a tech demo um, from Black Tusk Studios, which Uh. looked really interesting, but I don't know what it is. No. I, I, I I have no idea what's going on. I don't trust these teasers. Maybe it's me, but who who is Black Tusk Studios? Um, I think it's a Canadian, didn't he say it was a Canadian? Yeah, Microsoft studio? Vancouver or something like that. I just thought it was cool. There was a very, it was very, very brief, but um, there was a guy in camouflage gear who was abseiling down the side of a building, and when his feet hit the glass on the side of the building, it really slightly moved. <laughs> and that was all I picked up on it, that they've taken attention to detail to a whole new level. Yeah. So uh, that's coming. It, it, Microsoft kind of, you know, uh, peacocked that as one of the exclusives that they're supporting with the next gen. So that's something to keep an eye on. And then I, I think we all kind of knew it was coming somehow, but we had a CG trailer for the next Halo. Uh, this was my wow moment, actually. I really? Had, yeah. Well, just the way they did it, I. It was. It, it was, was shocking. Cool. It was like a, a sh- no. It was a, just a shadowy so figure awesome with like a cloak on. You couldn't see who it was wandering through the, the sandstorm, and then that enormous bird-like mech coming out, and then it blew the hood away, and it was Master Chief. I was like, yes. Yeah. I did actually shout in my living room. I thought it was neat, but I was kind of like, oh, right, <laughs> more hail is coming. The sun will rise yeah, tomorrow. I Taxes. I, I was in the moment. This halo is in a desert. Yeah, well, there you go. And there's a mech bird. Yeah, so it's different. Halo mech bird. <laughs> yeah, we don't know if it's Halo 5 or Halo mech bird. So. <laughs> I think it's bound to be mech right. bird. Halo driver <laughs> Um So we go from Halo into, I think, what Microsoft is hoping can be the next Halo. It's from Respawn Studios, who have risen from the ashes of Infinity Ward after their uh, much maligned, oft-covered divorce from Activision. So happy for these guys. We finally got to see Titanfall, which is going to be exclusive to uh, the PC, the Xbox One, and the 360. It looked really cool. I mean, I here's, here's one thing. I, and call me crazy, but I think on a graphics level, it didn't look... As up to snuff as some of the other... I totally agree. It didn't look as good as Battlefield. Yeah. It didn't look as good as Rise. Now, they, maybe um, they were showing 360 version, but that doesn't seem right. Like, 
I, I don't know. It, it definitely looks fu- looks fun. It looks like. Do we have a release date for this? Um, twenty spring twenty fourteen, I think. So they've got yeah. This is not a launch title. So they've got nine months to yeah. make it pretty. Yeah. They will do. Yeah. They're probably focusing on it's, this gameplay, which is the right way to do it. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about how this one looks because the guys at Respawn, I trust them. Absolutely. It's so true, isn't it? I, this the was, Infinity Ward guys are bang on the money. This was right behind Dead Rising 3 as one of my favorite um, reveals that they had during this conference. I, I just, I loved Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. I loved how they revolutionized multiplayer shooters with it. I want to know what they did with this game. I want to know how this is going to revolutionize the next-gen shooters. It's going to. Yeah. So, it, it, obviously, Microsoft saved, you know, the big bullet for last, talking about Titanfall. And then, <clears throat> when we had EA's press conference, you know, they talked more about Titanfall, showed off more gameplay. It, it obviously looks quite impressive. Um, so, that, that was kind of brings Microsoft's, you know, press conference to the close. But then we, we also had just that day, that first day, we had press conferences from EA, press conferences from Ubisoft, and then um, kind of the one that we'll talk about at the end. Uh, <laughs> but uh, other games kind of of note that, that we wanted to take a quick minute to talk about was uh, kind of the, the biggest one for me uh, was the announcement that The Elder Scrolls Online is coming to Xbox One, it's also coming to the PS4, in addition to PC and Mac. So... We, we kind of knew that with the integrated online structure the Xbox One has, that MMOs would definitely be possible. And if they're putting Elder Scrolls Online on it, I I can say sign me up. I'm interested. I'm on board. Uh, I want to see and learn more. And we actually um, have a Twitter question from uh, Anomalistic777 who actually asked us, are console gamers actually happy about all the new MMOs that have no single player? Which I think that's more of directed towards, you know, Elder Scrolls Online, and I can just say yes, yep, count me in. I think that's something really cool. I, I've always loved RPGs, and the thing that I felt has held back RPGs is the fact that I couldn't play them very often with friends. And the fact that I can do that with something like Elder Scrolls Online, to me, that is amazing. Uh, I'm stoked about this. Uh, Dog, what do you think? I, I think it's it's um, it says a lot about the PC gaming culture versus a console gaming culture. Because on the PC, The Elder Scrolls Online is being viewed as just another MMO. On the consoles, this is a bombshell. Absolutely. I, yeah. I think that this might be the game to make MMOs big on the console. Final Fantasy XI didn't do it. DC Universe Online didn't do it. Elder Scrolls Online, I think, has the potential to be really big on consoles, especially the way that um, Bethesda is supporting it. Um, Each system has their own... It's closed off. Xbox One gamers will only play with Xbox Xbox One gamers. PS4 with PS4 gamers. PC and Mac with PC and Mac. There is no cross-platform play. Okay, that may not seem like a good thing, but that means that all your friendless integration will be there. It will be so easy to play with friends in this. You can chat with your friends while grinding mobs. I think the potential for this to be really fun, it's there. I think this is a great move. It's a great addition to the lineup. And and I'll just go out on a limb and say this now. Um, EA, do you want to make 40 bucks, 50 bucks, 60 bucks? 
put Star Wars The Old Republic on the Xbox One, and I will buy a copy. I, I, I don't see what's stopping them at this point, but... Uh, yeah, I would be totally on board with, with experiences like that coming to Xbox One. Um, Rich, do you have any thoughts on this kind of MMO invasion of the console space? I don't know. I think it's um, there's a there's going to have to be a shift in attitude. I mean, you two are obviously enthused about it. Um, I've never played an MMO on the PC, so I don't uh, really have... Neither have I. <laughs> so I don't really have um, the enthusiasm for it. But I can see why... Elder Scrolls Online is the perfect choice because there's so many fans of that series on the 360 that it makes the perfect first choice. They don't have to convert a load of people to that world because there's a load of fans already there. Um, I'm not personally a fan of RPGs in general and I've really struggled with Oblivion. Um, So this probably isn't going to be for me. But having said that, I have tended to dip into RPGs when the buzz around them gets huge. Uh, so that it's almost something that I feel I have to try. Um, so probably at some point I will end up playing this because, as you say, it's going to end up being huge. Um, yeah. It's an interesting choice. I, I, you know, it could work. Yeah. I don't know what the what the pay model is. Exactly. You yeah. Just buy the game, do you? Well, that's kind of what I want to know. Really is are know. they going to do a monthly fee? Are they going to do upfront pay sixty bucks and then have microtransactions to support it? I, that's kind of I think that's the million dollar question: is how is this actually going to work? So, um, yeah, it, it's super interesting. I'm very, I am very interested in Elder Scrolls Online now. So I think, Dog, you're you're in that same boat with me. Which I'm very excited about this game. And I, I think you, you and I share the same excitement over the next game we're going to talk about. Um, and I, I kind of predicted this a way back is that Diablo Three is coming to the 360 and will feature a four player multiplayer. So, Dog, are you and I going to do some dungeon crawling in the fall? Oh, we might. I've been yes. looking forward to this one. I figured it was coming to the 360. It seemed like a good assumption to make. And they stripped out all the problems from the PC version. No always-on DRM. No real money auction house. Oh, God, yeah. Local co-op. Drop in, drop out. You can have local players. You can have online players in the same party. It's... uh. It's, it, it's going to be a better experience on the console than it is on the PC. And I am stoked. I am so excited for this. Like, out of everything that I learned was coming to the 360 out of E3, this is the one thing that I immediately put on my Amazon wish list. I was like, I need to have this game. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited about it. Um, Rich, you're not an RPG guy, but you're more than welcome to go dungeon crawling with Dog and I anytime. Uh, it sounds like a euphemism. I'm not getting involved. <laughs> All right, well... I'll pass on that one. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, another amazing-looking game. It still looks amazing. It is Watch Dogs. Uh, Ubisoft showed off more of that at their press conference. Still looks incredible. It's coming to the Xbox One. Dog, you want to gush about it a little bit more? I don't really want to gush about it. I just want to say, hey, guys, you remember that game that stole E3 last year? Well, it's coming out this fall. And oh, we got what? a date, have we? Oh, yeah. Yes. It, it, it's... um. It should be coming out around the time that the consoles launch in November. I'll probably be picking this up, too, if only because I live close enough to Chicago that I can actually walk the streets and feel feel the the culture uh, of the game in this futuristic Chicago. So I'm I'm excited the Midwest is getting a little love there. Um, Another game, it was announced at EA, and this totally came out of left field. I'm actually a little tickled about this. It looks super cute. 
is Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare, which is coming to the 360 and the 1. To me, this looks like something that I could play with like my nieces and nephews and still just have a, a, a monster fun time with. Um, I, I've been playing Plants vs. Zombies on my iPhone. I really enjoy it. It's fun. And I think this game just looks like it has a lot of personality. So I'll be keeping an eye on that. I, I really like the original Plants vs. Zombies. I'm a tower defense guy. For the longest time, I was in the top 100 on TA for tower defense games. This is not a tower defense game. <laughs> oh, no, it's totally not. It's a third-person it's, action It's title. a third-person co-op shooter with the plants as classes, which I think yes. is insane. I want to know what drugs they were on when they decided to make this game. <laughs> Many oh. plants. <laughs> yeah, Rich, that's, that's, that's probably about so right. It fun, but it's so weird. Oh, and just briefly mention, PopCap also announced Peggle 2. I was just about to say this. Yes. That was the highlight of the, of the whole of E3 so far. Yeah, about and that, that two was seconds with just the music. The most joy-filled <laughs> announcement ever is he yeah. jumped in the air, threw his fist up, Peggle 2! So that, that, was, that was definitely um, a lot I so, of joy. I so love Peggle. I, that is the game that I have bought on more platforms than any other game. I think I probably bought it on six different platforms. It's just so good. Really? Interesting. Um, other other announcements um, during the EA press conference, uh, we got to see the first you know, computer generated video for Dragon Age Inquisition, uh, which I love. Dragon Age, uh, I, I liked Origins. I, I actually like Dragon Age Two as well. Recycled assets aside, so I'm very interested to see where Bioware is going with uh, Inquisition. They showed off fan favorite characters. They showed off Morgan at the at the very end, which was pretty cool. So I'll be watching that one. Uh, Ubisoft, they kicked off, I think, the press conference. I joined the press conference a little late, but when I turned it on, I saw Jerry Cantrell playing guitar. And to me, as a huge fan of the Seattle's 90s grunge scene, seeing Jerry Cantrell play guitar, that's awesome. And they were talking about Rocksmith 2014, which is coming to the 360. Um, so, obviously, more Rocksmith is on the way. Um, to me, the best teaser, I know we all enjoyed the Halo teaser, to me, the best teaser was Star Wars Battlefront. That EA came out and said, DICE is making Battlefront. It's going to use the Frostbite engine. It's going to be next-gen. I loved those Battlefront games on the original Xbox. And this is a game that I think a lot of gamers are going to be super interested in following. I have a feeling it's going to be one of those games we're not going to get for another two to three years. Just because they probably just started on it. But uh, that, that, to me... that that. That's the stuff. That's the stuff that makes me like video games. I, I loved the first the first two Battlefront games. I had them on the PC, and they were incredible. I I, I have such high hopes for this one. Dice doing it. It's it's. I, I could not be happier. Absolutely. Thank you, EA, for actually you know giving me what I want. We'll move back into Rich's happy zone. Uh, we also got an announcement of this game called The Crew. Uh, another racer. Yeah, so I literally caught five minutes of the Ubi presentation. I need to go back and watch the rest. But um, there was driving. There was co-op. It looked like there was busting of um, police vans full of money. It just looked my sort of game. So I was in the brief bit I saw, I was like, I need to have that game. Um it looked cool to me. Now, the uh, Ubisoft game that I saw that I felt I needed to have uh, was Tom Clancy's The Division. That is another game that 
is going to be utilizing a lot of this cloud computing, this persistent online world, playing with friends. It also showed off similar to like smart glass integrations. Uh, the basic premise is it's three days after a, a massive biological outbreak where everyone's gotten sick and kind of society is crumbling. Um, it was very much a doomsday type of setup. But then you're this secret division uh, of sleeper agents that's kind of doing stuff. And it looked super cool. Um, the tech behind it looked really impressive. I thought, I thought that was Ubisoft's game of the show. I know, and that that kind of discounts Watch Dogs a little bit because we knew it was coming. But this game was the announcement that got me very excited for what Ubisoft was going to do. This is one of those games that I'd like to actually, actually, you know, have a controller in my hands and see this in action to see how it's going to work out. It just looks like there's just so much going on. I agree. I, I think it's going to be. I really want to see if they focus that or if they just allow gamers to to do do whatever they want in this open world. So I think it's going to look really cool. Um, other announcements coming out of Ubisoft. Uh, Far Cry Classic. It's going to be a downloadable title, so that's basically going to be the first Far Cry is coming as a downloadable title. Um, I don't have the date on that off the top of my head, but basically that's coming for the Xbox 360. Uh, we also got the announcement that Kingdom Hearts 3... Is going to be coming to the Xbox One. That's going to make a lot of gamers very happy. Uh, I'm not a Kingdom Hearts guy, but I know that it's a huge title. Uh, we also got the announcement of Walking Dead 400 Days. Uh, it's going to be sort of a bridge between the first season of Walking Dead and what's coming as the second season of The Walking Dead, so I'll definitely be picking that one up. But the, uh, the EA game that really kind of stole the show, stole everyone's hearts, was they announced... Mirror's Edge 2. Yup! Mirror's Edge 2. Uh, Sorry, I, I was excited. I've been waiting a while for this one. Yeah. I, Seriously, I'll... EA gave me Star Wars Battlefront. They gave me Mirror's Edge 2. I, I thought I hated you, EA. But I was wrong. Just when they think you're out, they bring you back in. <laughs> Take me back. I'm sorry, <laughs> baby. <laughs> so, um, I, I thought the really interesting thing was they said Mirror's Edge 2 is coming when it's ready. So... They're, they're kind of pulling a blizzard there, but obviously... When they fix the control system. Oh, see, I never played Mirror's Edge. I hear nothing... Yeah. Oh, I hear it's really good. Um, it, it is. I, I may have to go see if I can pick that up at some point. Um, but... You'll struggle. <laughs> it's cheap now. You can buy it used for the 360. Uh-huh. Um, so those are kind of the, the big games that, that jumped out to us as being announced or kind of shown off. It's uh, a lot there, isn't there? That's a lot. And we, we left some stuff off. I mean, they, Ubisoft showed off Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. It looks looks good. It's another Assassin's Creed game. Um, obviously, Square showed off the Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. So there was a lot of stuff that came out of uh, E3 this year as far as new games, new information. Obviously, we've got tons of stories in our E3 hub. Uh, the game information team was amazing creating new game pages for all these announcements. The news hounds have been working around the clock to try and pump out as much news as possible. So keep checking the front page. Um, even as you're listening to this, we're probably still posting stuff that, that came out of E3. So make sure you're you know checking back because if there's a game you're particularly interested in, we've probably got screenshots or a story or a video showing it off, uh, either a trailer or showing it off in action. Which kind of brings us to the... There's really no good way to encapsulate this other than to say if if you are a Microsoft loyalist, prepare to be kicked straight in the tender bits. <laughs> because Sony had their press conference at the end of the day on Monday. The big news is the price point 
on the PS4 is launching at $399. It's going to be cheaper than the Xbox One, which surprised a lot of people. Um, it's not going to need to do online checks like the Xbox One is. Uh, they're basically keeping the same used game policies that we currently have. So it's determined by publishers. There's nothing institutional about used game restrictions, but publishers can put DRM in place. It's going to be region-free. Um, the one thing they did kind of say is the PS Plus is now a requirement for online multiplayer, so they kind of stepped in line with Microsoft. But basically what they told gamers without coming out and saying it is, you know all that stuff the Xbox One is doing that you hate? We're not doing any of that, and we're doing it cheaper. So I, I had I kind of went on a Twitter Twitter rampage and said that they've got to be running low on liquor in Redmond right now. There's got to be a lot of drunk Microsoft execs. And I have to feel like they were... Microsoft had to be completely blindsided by this. Like, I don't think there's any way Microsoft knew Sony would come out at this price point with these kind of um, systems and uh, policies in place. There's no way they could have known, uh, or else I feel like they would have done something different. Um, Rich, Mm -hmm. why don't you go ahead and jump in here? So this this was interesting, because obviously... There was a lot of negativity leading up to uh, Microsoft's conference after the the shambles, really, that was the first reveal. Um, and it was obviously watching it in the UK. It was a, an evening um, a conference here. So I watched that. I thought they nailed it. I thought it was the best Microsoft conference I'd ever seen at E3, to be honest. It was entirely focused on games. There was very little talk about Kinect. Um, and it was just focused on a whole ton of really good stuff. So I went to bed quite happy. And then I wake up in the morning and I just I load up Twitter and there's just tons of stuff about Sony's conference and how much they um, they nailed it basically. And I just I just think that Microsoft know, knew the, the 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 confusion around the, the first reveal. They someone there should have said, Right, I know we've booked Monday morning for our conference. We need to push this back to after Sony so that we can react if we need to. And I just can't believe they didn't do that. Because they could have dropped... I mean, I, I have no doubt that some of the stuff that Sony announced was entirely reaction. I know they've denied it, but it was an entire reaction to the Microsoft conference. especially. I feel the price point, point. Exactly. yeah. I feel like that price point was reactionary. Yeah, I think, I think it's been... A, enough, um, enough gaming press has mentioned about the price point. I'm pretty sure that was a that-day decision that they made. Yeah, and that was the key thing. I mean, and that will continue to be the key thing when we, when, as we move through to November. And I think unless Microsoft give something with the one, I'm thinking possibly a copy of Forza on release and maybe a year's um, Xbox Live subscription. They're the easiest things for them to do. Um, and they would, they would appease a lot of people because at least people are then getting something they can play and they've got a year's worth of, of potentially free games on the Xbox Live service. Um so at least it it balances it out. I mean, so the hit Sony must be taking oh, with God, that DDR five RAM. I mean, it's ridiculous how they've much they're be going to be losing. A, yeah, they, they've got to be taking a bath, like in the negative, on every console they sell, just because of that DDR five. And at that price point, it's I, I'm honestly shocked. I I mean, it's no great secret that console manufacturers lose money on, at launch on their boxes, but how much money mm. is Sony going to be losing on these boxes? Just yeah, because but it's a calculated gamble, yeah. isn't it? I mean, you look at you look at the amount of people that are saying, "Well, I'm going to go with Sony," and the amount of people that were going to be were um, 
swaying before and weren't sure they're going to just go for the cheaper console. So I think Microsoft have to do something. They, I'm, and I'm sure they will do. I'm sure they'll step in and give you something that makes up that extra hundred dollars in value. Um, I would hope so, but I've never seen Microsoft as much of a reactionary company. They've. We'll see. No, they, I, I no. feel like Microsoft's the aggressor. That, that's usually what they do. They got used to being out front, which that's what Sony was previously. And that's why Sony stumbled out of the gates with the PS3. They recovered. Microsoft may stumble now, but if the 360 was any indication, the Xbox One in two years will be a completely different system. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, they can evolve this the, stuff very easily. Yeah. The, um, the other thing I'd, I'd like to say, just in, in defense of Microsoft, is that Sony's lineup of games and their exclusives was pound for pound a little bit weaker. Yeah, definitely agree than with that. What, than what um, Microsoft is offering. Uh, Sony has some has some great policies. I, I like the improvements they announced for their PS Plus service. Um, there's a reason the PS3 is the most used system for streaming Netflix. I want to know how they came up with that. Because that, to me, that didn't pass the smell test for me. That was actually announced by Netflix. Oh, well, then that passes the smell test. I, I mean, I think <laughs> the only way that's possible is just because on the 360, it's behind the gold membership. Right. That's the only difference. And it's. I think Microsoft is kind of in trouble right now because of the details. Microsoft missed the details. The day after Sony's press conference, when there was some confusion about their DRM, their head of, of the product management, um, head of product management, Division, I forget the man's actual title. He's one of those many faceless executives that only pops out of hiding around E3. Regardless, he was doing the rounds, explaining it to all the gaming press sites that I could come across on the internet, giving people details. On the other end, you have Microsoft still not telling us everything. I think that's the big difference right now. Microsoft needs to start paying more attention to the details. Yeah. Um, so that, that kind of wraps up our E3 conversation. Uh, what I'd like to do is take a minute. I want you guys to think. I'll go first so you can have a moment to think. We'll just kind of pick our quick game of the show. Like what is the game or, or the tech demo or the, the trailer, if you will, that impressed you the most? And for me, it, it's it's really tough to tell. It's like having me pick between all my favorite children. Um but I would actually say the um, – I'm going to go with Tom Clancy's The Division. Uh, that looked like a really impressive demo from Ubisoft. The, the fact that it it is going to be very online, very connected, that is sort of appealing to me if I have a lot of friends playing it with me. Um, I, I'm appealed uh, – I'm drawn to the idea behind the game. Uh, I just kind of want to learn more about it. That's kind of the, the demo that made me step back and go, that looks so cool. Uh, so that, that I'm going to give that my, you know, way too early game of the show. Um, there were other games that I loved, obviously, and I think I made that clear during the, the podcast here that a lot of stuff interests me, but that's the one that it kind of came out of left field and smacked me upside the head and made me take notice. So dog, what, what was your, uh, game and or announcement of the show? Well, um, my actual game of the show is a dual award because I can't choose which one impressed me more. And, um, they're both Xbox one games. It's Dead Rising 3 and Titanfall. 
Um, I think some of the, the tech behind it looks really interesting. Again, Dead Rising 3, really curious what a sandbox game is going to look like in the next generation. It looked incredible. Titanfall, I love Respawn. I, 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 I have utmost faith that the gameplay is going to revolutionize how we play games. So um, my actual game of the show is Dual Award, Dead Rising 3, Titanfall. Awesome. Rich, how about you? What was your game of the show? Um, I'm going to skip over the obvious of Forza because it's a driving game. And I admitted it, it looks absolutely incredible, but it is a driving game. And Battlefield, which I again thought was fantastic. And go with something out of left field, which was Quantum Break, purely because oh. I can't wait to see how they're going to integrate a TV show with a game that looks that pretty um, and make it work. So that for me is probably the most interesting game of the show. I did not see that coming. Neither did I. Way to go. Uh, so that about wraps it up for our E3 show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a quote-unquote normal podcast after we've had two special editions. So send us uh, achievement challenges. You can either PM those to me, OSU Blue Jacket, or you can uh, leave them in the thread, or uh, even you can send them to us on Twitter. I, I check into our Twitter every once in a while. Uh, speaking of Twitter, please follow us at True Achievement. Uh, you can also join our Facebook group or our Google Plus uh, area, uh, but not MySpace. Don't look for us on MySpace. Um, big thanks go out to uh, the Kinetic and Dave K for giving us our theme music. Uh, on behalf of Rich, uh, True Achievement, uh, Dog of Thunder, I am OSU Blue Jacket, otherwise known as Jay. Thanks for listening to our special E3 podcast, and we will hear you all back here real soon. Hi guys, as we mentioned earlier, Michelle couldn't join us to record our E3 special, um, but just as we finished recording, Microsoft officially announced their changes to the achievement system, and I managed to grab her so we could go through our thoughts on this together, and also recap her thoughts on E3, um, because I'm interested to hear them. So, the information was released on Major Nelson's blog today, and it's written by Kira McDonald, I think I've pronounced her name correctly who is the program manager for Xbox Live Achievements. Uh, I've not heard of her before, but it sounds like a, a nice position to be in. I wouldn't mind that role myself. Uh, it's a very long post. Uh, I'll link to the post in the podcast thread, but um, let's just cover the key points. So, firstly, as we know, your gamer score carries forward from the 360 to the Xbox One. So that's something all of us a lot of. Uh, pretty happy about and, and quite relieved in, in some instances. Uh, me personally, I'm, I'm very happy about that. The thought of losing all those hours, it was uh, was a bit worrying to say the least. Yeah, it's not just hours, it's money, right? How many hundreds oh, of dollars have we spent on games to get gamer score? It's, it's pretty intense when you think about it. Yeah, to, <laughs> to lose that one number would be, would be a little bit soul-destroying. Um, so that's good. We're all happy about that. Secondly... Achievements will now be able to unlock other things apart from Gamerscore, such as digital artwork, new maps, unlockable characters, and temporary in-game stat boosts. So, Michelle, what do you think about that line? That was interesting, I thought. Um, I mean, we've already seen unlocks with achievements, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's really not surprising they're kind of taking it to the next level, right? This is what the next gen is supposed to be about, all bigger and more interesting. Um, and I... I've said before, I wasn't an Xbox 360 gamer at, game, at day one, but I, I know they always had things like gamer pictures. But then we were yeah. able to get outfits mm -hmm. and things like that. Wallpaper. Yeah, avatar, um, avatar clothing and, and right. accessories, etc. Right. So having them take it to a place now, I think it's interesting to hear things like 
XP awards and things like that. And we'll see how all that actually works. Um, but I'm, I'm not surprised that they're announcing more, you know, bigger is better. And, and we work hard to get these achievements, right? We're achieving something. And I guess we get more of a reward now and they know what an important part of the Xbox um, atmosphere it is. Yeah. The so, ecosystem is, is, yeah. is important, isn't it? So obviously all of this stuff has generally been unlockable. If games have stuff like this to unlock has been right. unlockable through normal game progress. So you know, complete the game with player X and unlock character Y. Right. Um, so it, this isn't a particularly big leap at all, but right, tying, I mean, we... them to, tying them to achievements is interesting because it means that we will be able to see, for example, um, by looking, I can look at your achievements and I can see the characters that you'll have unlocked, the maps that you'll have access to. Um, so I was thinking this could be useful for gaming sessions. So we could say, right, we're all going to play on, you know, we need, to, we need to get an achievement that's tied to this map, um, but in order to get that, I know that you must have this achievement um, right. so that you have access to that map. I thought that you know that could be quite interesting for our gaming sessions. Well, and I thought there was an interesting tie, and I may be a little mistaken because so much information has come out, and I, I don't pretend to understand all of it. Um, but uh, they also released a post recently about matchmaking and how matchmaking yes. is going to work on the uh, on the Xbox One. And one of the things they talked about in particular was being able to make it so you could search for a specific DLC map or a specific um, uh, setup of, of a game type. And this will also make it easier to earn those achievements. So they definitely have been developing the whole system with achievement hunting in mind, which actually is going to make uh, things a, a whole lot easier because you're playing something like Halo and you need to use the Crimson Map Pack. Now it's going to just search for that for you, and the, and that'll help you get the awards and all that. And we've seen sort of this already. I mean, Halo Waypoint operates that way, right, where you, you earn certain achievements and you get different armors and things like yep, that. So correct. Um, we've already seen this in action in, in so far as getting an in-game reward. Yep. So it's not surprising that they're, they're making this more pervasive. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I see no issues with this at all. It's a good, it sounds like a good thing. Now, what doesn't necessarily sound as much of a good thing was the next point. And this is a little bit controversial. Other Xbox One applications, such as video and music apps, can now use achievements to bring you awesome sneak peek content, early access, or subscription extensions. However, and this is the thing that sort of pulls it back for me, only games will give you gamer score. So this was a bit of a collective sigh of relief again. Um, I think from my friends in the community, we were worried that Microsoft would um, encourage you, shall we say, to download and watch TV show that you may have no interest in just to get your 50 Gs um, added to your score. And that is not going to be how any of this stuff works. They, there will be achievements, but they are going to be zero gamer score achievements. Well, and um, we talked about this, and I'm glad it didn't wind up happening, but we talked about this a bit in the one podcast. And uh, we were talking about I think I probably brought it up, but like the Halo TV show now being something you'd have to watch and you'd get an achievement for that. And what we learned from this is, yeah, you might get a challenge and that'll unlock something for you, um, but it's not going to affect your gamer score. Um, the, the question I had reading that that wasn't clear to me is if you own the game and now it depends on how OCD you are, right? I'm not a completionist. You're not a completionist. I'm going to have tons you? of stuff on my card. <laughs> I know <laughs> I'm clearly on the wrong site, um, but if this stuff, so you buy Halo, and there's a zero G challenge attached to watching the Halo TV series, and you don't get it, uh -huh. will that zero G achievement always show up as unlocked on your card? That I can see being an issue for some people because they're going to feel like 
especially if it's and they said um, one thing with challenges that's unique is their time. Yeah, we can come up. We can come on to the detail of the challenges in a moment. Right. Um, right. So how's that going to affect people? I, I mean, I think for the general gaming populace, this isn't going to matter. It's just going to be a kind of cool way to experience and see something else. But I think that's a legitimate concern for people who are worried about making sure they always have that 100%. Even if it's a zero G achievement, yeah. they won't have, they'll only have 49 out of 50 or something like that. That's true. But it also, I think for us, I think we could do some cool things on TA with this. We could give people an option to completely ignore challenge achievements from the whole site. Um, never see them, never see the achievements added to your achievement count and never see anything else about them ever. If they wanted to stick with pure gamer score achievements, then we have the facility to do that. And I think that might be a nice option. Obviously, we're very early on here and I'm throwing ideas out there, but that (laughs) sounds like something that might interest a lot of gamers if we can do that. Absolutely. Um, And uh, actually, people have sort of raised the question now, now that we've seen this, um, with the pre-order achievement, that people are going on their Xboxes and unlocking right now. Is that actually a challenge? And Yeah, well, it, yeah, clear, I think it clearly is. I think it's the first challenge that we, we've ever seen, right. which is exciting. But I'm already getting people asking me to remove that completion from their completion stats, or from, in fact, their friends' completion stats. Um, <laughs> and I think I will probably do that. I will set up a rule so that zero gamer score games do not count in your completion stats. And I think that actually forward thinking that's going to work because we're going to see this more often do a pre-order through the Microsoft store on the dashboard, get another zero G achievement, you know, Halo five pre-order or whatever else comes out. Um, and as long as the game total is zero, I don't think there's ever going to be an issue. I can't imagine anything other than pre-orders being attached to Microsoft store anyway. No. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's a brilliant idea, Rich. Yeah, well, yeah, as you can imagine, I've been mulling this over since the, <laughs> the last couple of hours as I've been reading this thing, how it affects TA. Um, right, and I think the only reason we're not seeing it as a separate sort of designation yet is just the architecture, infrastructure, whatever, isn't set up yet to distinguish challenges from achievements. So it's all kind of in the same pool. It is, yeah. Uh, and I once the one comes out, we'll see how all of that sorts out. But I think the challenges are kind of their neat idea, actually. We've seen this um, in smaller ways within games, yes. where they run a weekly challenge. Um, something like Your Shape runs a monthly challenge. Explosion, Miss Explosion Man, for a while, they were doing, uh, you know weekly or, or monthly challenges to get the highest score. Yeah. And now you're getting you're gonna get a, a gamer pick or a gamer tile or whatever. Um and something on your account that shows once again you achieved something. So I think that's a cool idea and it might be a way to bring you back to a game you've otherwise abandoned. Yeah. But it's not gonna force you to buy something else, which was the initial concern when we I completely yeah, I completely agree with that. Um so let's just go through the challenge detail. Obviously achievements are achievements that are referred to as the achievement um, half of this so they've now this is already confusing but they are saying there are now two types of achievement achievements <laughs> and challenges uh, the the standard achievements is what we all know of as an achievement and that is not changing so there's a goal or activity you must accomplish and a reward that you receive on completion you can unlock an achievement in a game at any time be it on a, la- a game's launch day or three years later A challenge, so basically there's no change there. A challenge, on the other hand, is more like an opportunity. Grab it while you can. It also comprises of a goal and a reward. However, challenges are time-bound. That means you can only unlock during its eligible time window. And if if you get close but don't complete the goal when it ends, you don't get it. 
Achievements and challenges are both officially considered Xbox Live achievements, so they inherit many of the same benefits, blah, 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 stuff we've already said. But this is interesting. So they each have an icon to visualize the cool thing you did, which is cool. They are often associated with game DVR capture to show your friends that you are better than they are. So that means, in fact, we saw this in E3, pop, as you pop one of these, it will store the previous X amount of minutes of gameplay automatically. So you will, you will effectively have a video on your hard drive of you earning every achievement, and you can upload that to the cloud if you want to. I think that is really cool. So obviously for solution guidelines, um, for solution videos, that is just exactly what you want. You wouldn't even have to set a thing up. You just go and earn it. Um, right, you want to prove to your friend that you got this through some strange glitch and you really didn't do anything? It's great. <laughs> yeah, we'll help our investigations team, that's for sure. That's Yeah, absolutely. Um, Send us your video and now we can make sure. Yeah. Um, and developers can release more of them after the game's initial release. So this was, again, something that people were concerned about, completionists. But it seems to me that they are separating achievements as we know them with this new style challenge achievement, um, which has zero zero gamer score. So for me, this has this has reassured me really um, on, on how this is going to work. I, I see the benefits of having challenges. I think they're a cool idea, but I, I love the fact that they don't have gamer score attached to them. Right. I think that's the biggest sigh of relief for most of our users is you're not going to be compelled to buy Halo Six after you've bought Halo Five because they've added a new achievement. Uh, you may get a challenge when Halo Six comes out to play a Halo Five map or something, but that's all it's going to be is a challenge. No gamer score, nothing that's going to affect your actual completion in terms of the number. Um, yeah, so that's how I would imagine that's how we'll shift completion now. So it won't be 50 achievements out of 50 achievements. It will be a 1,000 right. gamer score out of 1,000 gamer Although, score. And that means your game still can, remains complete even two years later when they bring out a challenge. Well, I think um, something else that's interesting and, and kind of um, aside to this conversation, because um, they didn't announce it in this post, is what the eventual uh, gamer score limits are going to be. Because um, our initial thinking, right, was that you could do these challenge achievements everywhere and you're going to have a game with like 3,000G as a topper. Well, yeah, I'm sure I read that um, somewhere, that, that there was no cap on gamer right. score. And, but I, I wonder about the standardization at release. I saw a picture the other day that someone had posted uh, with Swery65. He's the director oh, yeah. D4. Right behind D4 and did Deadly Premonition. And so, you know, he's standing there, thumbs up in front of his game tile on the Xbox One dashboard. And all I notice are the gamer score notifications. And, of course, um, that's exactly what I would notice. Yeah, that. D4 was out of 1,250 points. And Rise okay. was next to it out of 1,125 points. And Killer Instinct Ooh. was on the other side of it, I think, also out of 1,125. So what are we going to see at launch? Because <laughs> these numbers are clearly not what so we're So that suggests straight away a base 1,000 with a with 125 packs added on, doesn't it? Or something, something of like that, that nature. Similar. So that's not that far away from where we are now. But as you say, uh, that normally happens further down the line. Right. DLC adds additional gamer score a couple of months after. Right, and we know Killer Instinct is... Um, piecemeal downloadable, right? So, you know, you're going to get the one character that comes with it and then buy into other characters. So that's those achievements are probably attached to those. And uh, D4 is episodic, so this is probably going to be whatever the Xbox One arcade is. So, you know, that, that might be five episodes at 250 apiece. But Rise, yeah, yeah. Rise was really interesting because mm. Rise, so far as my knowledge, is just it's, a... It's just a standard retail title. Correct. Yeah. And so we already know, at least from that picture, that there's 125 extra gamer scores. So... Um, just from those three games on that dashboard, we're already seeing this sense of, well, there's going to be a lot of extra content. 
um, right off the bat for these things. So, um, and, and I don't know how exactly all that's going to work either, but it was just intriguing to me when I saw it on, in that picture. Yeah, I think, to be honest, the whole, this whole announcement I found very intriguing. The whole, everything around it is, is interesting. It's, so challenges, this was another thing, challenges can be unlocked by the community. Right. So not just a single person goal. This could be a, a community challenge where everyone added together um, gets like a million headshots in one weekend or something like that. Um, and then everybody that participates in that challenge and meets the challenge to help make that goal will get that achievement in their history. I think that's quite cool. But again, no gamer score, um, but a nice little badge to have, a nice little icon to put in your trophy case. Right, right, absolutely. Um, I think it's... You're going to have to make the trophy cases bigger. <laughs> that's going to be yes. part of it, too. People, uh, to be honest, that's one of the most common requests I get is to make tr- trophy cases bigger. So I should do that. I see that a lot, too, yeah, on my friend's feed. But um, we'll we'll see how all this works. I still, um, you know, it looks like they're definitely not doing any kind of different counting. People had asked about that beforehand, that it, we know the gamer score wasn't going to reset, but that you'd see, like, your Xbox One gamer score versus your Xbox 360 Yeah, no, I'm score. glad they didn't separate them. I think this is better. You know, I've I've gone back and forth about that because my gamer tag is such a wreck um, with all these things I've put on there and, and things that I'll never play. You know, I was speaking with a friend this morning and I'm like, so I've come to peace with the fact that I'm never going to play Oblivion. That one achievement is yeah. just going to be on there I've got, forever. I've got the same as you, one achievement in Oblivion. Exactly. I've got one in Skyfall as well. Oh, see, I didn't – or uh, Skyrim. Skyrim, even, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, Skyfall? I... No, I don't have any achievements in that <laughs> film. Oh my god, I've, I've already arrived. I've got a challenge in Skyfall. <laughs> Go to the cinema. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, um, you know, like, I have Skyrim. I actually never bean dived that because that one I looked at it and went, mm, no. Yeah, that's a serious but... bean dive. <laughs> but right, so I'm, I'm at this point with my Xbox 360 gamer tag where I'm like, well, I'm giving up on this and not doing that, especially with a one pre order in. Now I'm thinking, okay. This is a whole other world and other games. Um, and in some ways, it would have been nice to have a distinct gamer score to go, okay, I'm not going to get 100% because I'm just not skilled enough to. But Yeah, I'm... but you know when Online Oblivion or Elder Scrolls Online comes on, you're going to pop one in that and you're just going to be in exactly the uh... same boat. <laughs> but at least I can live the illusion for a couple months, and that's really all I need. But it's I don't know. I see my card as, as a bit of a game, my gaming history, and I like right. the fact that I've got some games on there that I've I've tried and, and didn't get on with but the fact that I tried them you know that's that's good right and I, I, I agree my gamer tag is definitely a reminder that um, I love gamer score you know I've got quite a bit I'm in six digits but I'm not really willing to take the plunge and do the things that the real addicts do because all the games I have not all but many of the games I have on there for easy gamer score where I pop my one achievement I'm they're part of that pass even though I can finish them in whatever time but um but yeah, so I, I think that would have been an interesting benefit to Xbox One is being able to look at it as a fresh slate. Okay, I've, well, you can always create a new tag. Um, yeah. <laughs> Remember that commentary we were having before <laughs> about the time and the money? Not happening. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so you mentioned in that, I think we're done on the Achievement Challenge so. uh, discussion. And um, I'm for once, I'm quite happy with all of this stuff. There's not one thing here that's upset me. Right. Um, so hooray. Hooray Yay. for Microsoft giving us some good news at last. <laughs> um, but you mentioned in that you pre-ordered your Xbox One. Yes, so I, I just wanted to ask you um, what made you take the plunge? Do Was it the achievement? <laughs> um, well, it... I've said before, and I I said all along at the beginning, I'm not going to be a day one buyer, I'm not going to be a day one buyer. But um, gaming has changed for me a lot. I've discussed that a lot. Um, I game because my friends do. 
I, it's a social thing for me. You know, I used to be a Japanese RPG player. I'd sit there by myself in my room playing through the story. Now it's all about the social thing. I can get on and play with my buddies. And they all pre-ordered one. So, like, good sheep, I followed, and I got a one. But I, um, you know, I sat on it for about five minutes and thought, <laughs> all right, I'm probably going to cancel this. I really should cancel this. You know, it's the holiday season. I've, you know, everyone's got the same concerns. And obviously sure. $500 isn't just $500. You have to buy a game. You, you have to buy a second controller, probably uh, all that other stuff that comes with it. Um, and after that five minutes elapsed, I went and actually thought about E3 and what we had seen. And I absolutely didn't regret the decision to do it. Um, I think, for all the talk during the Xbox One podcast and the in the fallout of the Xbox One reveal about games, the PlayStation 4 is going to have games. Sony, I think, either it was either a really awesome mock-up or it was an official thing, because it could be. Sony showed no hesitation to just straight up make fun of Microsoft, which is fine. This is, you know, that's the business. Um, sure. But, you know, Sony released something. Oh, it plays games. Well, E3 showed me it just plays the games that the One does and nothing more. It doesn't yeah. aspire to anything greater. And I'm sure it does. I'm sure we just haven't seen that. Uh, Sony's platform at E3 clearly was to hammer the DRM issues and things like that. Yeah, and price. Right. And um, their PR people are much better. Microsoft's are terrible. Definitely <laughs> better. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you hate to come out and say that because Microsoft's PR machine has been so good for so long at, at kind of doing the right things. But uh, they just totally messed up. And I think what the real shame is the people who are jumping ship – for the most part, I'm not going to say this about everybody, and and I'll be totally honest. I didn't look very carefully at the PlayStation's lineup, but they're not actually looking at the games or the gaming. I mean, I, again, mo- most of my watching of E3 has been through watching news posts come in. Unfortunately, I've been very busy at work, so I couldn't really sit down and, and soak in all the conferences. But nobody's talking about the PlayStation 4's games. I have not heard anyone who's getting a PlayStation 4 who's getting it because they want to play this amazing game or because they're doing something really new. And as a gamer, that's what I'm buying a game console for. So- I totally agree. There's three, there's three things that I think the one, the Xbox one has got mm-hmm. better, better than the PS4. And that is, as you say, the games, mm-hmm. secondly, the controller mm-hmm. and thirdly, the online experience. Right now we don't know if the PS4 is going to, make a big difference on the online experience. I can't believe they're going to change the controller very much, but I I really struggle as soon as I pick up a, a PlayStation controller right. to know what I'm doing. The triggers are not where they should be. <laughs> How come you shoot with the shoulder buttons? It makes no sense. <laughs> shoot with the trigger. Um, and I would imagine they've improved the online stuff, but really trying to do anything, trying to organize a gaming session on the PS3 right. is so, so hard. Right. So, so hard. So I would imagine they'll do some work on that, but that's, you know, we don't know about that. We know the Xbox One appears to have better games, it's definitely got a better controller, and at the moment, it's got better online. And to me, they're the three things I care most about. Right. Well, I, think- I don't buy secondhand games very often. I don't sell my games. So those things don't particularly bother me. I can understand right. how they've upset certain people, but they're not a massive deal for me. And we've still yet to fully understand how all that stuff's going to work anyway. Right. And the always online thing, again, may, mean, means nothing to me. I, I think to get the benefits that they're talking about with the so much cool cloud computing stuff you're going to need to be online anyway to appreciate all that stuff um so again i see that as a positive i don't i don't see the negative aura around this it's when they you know when they said um you're going to need a broadband connection for xbox live and everyone was up in arms but really it made such a big difference (laughs) it made so much stuff possible that wouldn't have been otherwise right and i think um yeah people 
want a reason to get out. It sounds like sometimes I think that I totally agree some that people, well. and I think the TA community is very vocal. Um, and we're, we're a small part, but we're an important part because even though we're still only good for one and in some cases two consoles apiece, we buy a lot of games. So those attach rates that have been so great with the Xbox 360 are because of people like people on TA. So it's really important um, that they're still involved in this. And I think a lot of them just, they saw this stuff and they want it out. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and excuse a lot of Microsoft's policies. It's not what I mean to say. Um, I, I think the online issue is important for some people. Um, I, I don't, agree with the whole people who are really getting up in arms about the, the xbox is always watching you i don't know what you guys do in your living rooms but i do nothing <laughs> worth watching so anyway they've confirmed that all of that can be switched off anyway right it doesn't, but, have to, it doesn't have to be listening but this is what i mean people are, are looking for things and reasons to get out i i've found that's what it sounds like a lot to me and and they're again legitimate issues absolutely if that's just not your thing that's fine but the, the point I've been coming to more and more as we're going through this, because, you know, I said I'm getting an Xbox One on Facebook or whatever, and people were immediately, like, attacking me. I'm like, I didn't attack anyone for wanting a PlayStation 4. You know, like, oh, you're you know, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. No, I'm picking the unpopular decision. That's the opposite of drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, so, um, you know, but my feeling, again, as a gamer, as somebody who's fine, I don't watch TV, so all of that other TV stuff yeah, doesn't mean me anything. Too. I, I agree with that. The fact that Netflix isn't behind a paywall on PSN, and I think it's brilliant that Sony managed to announce a fee for multiplayer and got no kickback from this. I know what even They noticed. did it so quietly. Because now, when you're buying your PlayStation 4 and you're buying it to play games in theory guess what you have a 60 dollars built-in fee right away so it's already 460 as a cost of entry unless it's including a year of psn which i don't think i heard so right there no no it's definitely not th there's already you know you're already not actually getting it for that much cheaper um, of course currently the xbox one doesn't come with any free subscriptions either right so, right um, absolutely you've still got your 60 dollars in that absolutely. but i imagine i have a feeling that might change right i, I know nothing <laughs> yeah personally but microsoft are not stupid Right. Although <laughs> they're doing their best to appear so. <laughs> um, but someone there will realize they've got some ground to make up. Right. They've got Gamescom, which I'm lucky enough to be going to, mm -hmm. um, representing the site. Um, and I will be trying to get some interviews with as many people as possible. But they have already said that they're going to be, they have been holding some stuff back that they will be talking about and showing at a Gamescom that they've not shown so far. Right. And I would imagine by then we'll have a better idea about. Um, use games, DRM, and what, exactly what you're going to get right. for your extra hundred bucks if you decide to go for the one rather than the PS4. And I would imagine they will give you um, something for that one hundred bucks sure. that isn't currently announced. Right, and I think you know to again take it a step back. Like so, that was more to put it all out there that I don't mean by saying I'm buying an Xbox One that I'm ignoring all these issues. They don't matter to me. I, I'm always on anyway. I don't really sell my games back. I don't buy used and the fact that I can put my game on the cloud and a friend of mine can access it so we can we can discuss what we're buying and not double buy that stuff sounds good to me all right so um that's actually going to save me money in the long run um there's a lot that that's good there but there's also a lot they did bad I, I just wanted to get back to one other thing um about the one though that really motivated me over the PlayStation 4 it wasn't just the game's lineup but the future I felt like the PlayStation 4 didn't show us anything new. They showed that it could look yeah. better. But I'm seeing stuff like with the Kinect, right? So again, I, I mentioned, I think, a little earlier, Dead Rising 3. It can hear your living room. So you're in Los Perdidos or wherever it is, and yes. you, know, you, you drop your plate on the floor, and the zombies are going to turn and look. That's wild. 
you know, like that, that's really crazy. And I know that's for some people that's too invasive or, or whatever else, but it creates a different gaming experience. And I think that's really important. The persistent worlds that we've heard about with destiny, right? Like, yeah, this sort of destiny st- and sunset overdrive, right? This sort of stuff, the PlayStation isn't bringing any of that. And as a gamer, how could you not want this stuff? It's going to change the way we do things. It's going to make better opportunities for developers. This stuff's exciting. The PlayStation 4 is cheaper, and the policies are more consumer-friendly. There's no question about that. But as a gaming device, you're going to be exactly where you are today. Why do you want that in your next-generation console? That, that's what motivated me, other than my friends. Um, I think that's fair, and I think it's difficult. But I think the problem is it's going to be it's very difficult for people to grasp this stuff at the moment, right? Because it's it's still just a concept, right? And until the games come out, and it's, until people start playing them and talking to their friends like about these worlds and and the stuff that's achievable, and until the developers really, you know, because I would imagine there's so much potential here that, that people haven't even got ideas for yet. There's going to be so much coming out over the next few years right. that they can do with this amount of server um, computing power. Um, it's, I, I'm excited by it. I'm really, really genuinely excited by it. Right, and, and yeah, they've, they've mucked up on the other thing, but they haven't, the problem is they haven't simply have focused on all the positives right. around any of this stuff. Really. Right. And it's sort of got lost. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I agree. And I think, again, I think Sony was, was brilliant. I think they just, they played their cards completely right at E3. They, they hit exactly what they needed to hit. And they, they still have stuff to announce, I'm sure, also. All right? They didn't hit the I'm gaming sure stuff do, yeah. as much. And they may get to Gamescom and announce some awesome exclusive. But really, the biggest game they mentioned at their conference was Kingdom Hearts 3. And as someone who grew up playing them, I was like, all right, you know, that's cool. That, that doesn't motivate me to buy their console, but that's cool. And then the next day, we heard it was coming out on the Xbox One. So... That, that suddenly was even less of a motivating factor because there's nothing exclusive about it. Um, and I, I agree, again, at Gamescom, we're going to hear a lot more from Microsoft. I, I hope they're going to have a better view of or a better description for their policies. I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised because now they're playing catch-up. They're the, they're yeah, the people exactly. in the reeling position. There's no question. I'm not going to be surprised if, if we see something in the next few months about either a change in the policy, because they have said that this can change. Yeah. Uh, these, these aren't locked in things that they're looking at consumer feedback. Um, but also if we see them you know, working real hard with a publisher or you know, taking a first-party title and saying, all right, we have all this digital download stuff. You buy your Xbox One, you're going to get this title for free. And they'll yeah. compensate the publisher or whatever else they have to do to, to draw people back in. So now you don't have to buy that that unit. Um, they're, they're not stupid. <laughs> and um, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, especially as um, publishers are beginning to distance themselves from the policy. I don't buy that EA and Ubisoft never knew what was going on with Microsoft's policy and they're confused as we are. I don't buy that for a second. But <laughs> yeah. it's a disaster, and they don't want to be a part of it, so they're backing mm-hmm. away. I mean, I, I can't believe for a second that EA canceled online pass without knowing something like this was happening. Exactly. All right, it's become a good PR thing for them. So we still have months, and my biggest thing, if you're buying a console, buy what's right for you. Even if it's a Wii U, research the games, research the other stuff it does, research what comes with it, research the processing, whatever matters to you, and then make your decision. If what matters to you is the lack of privacy... Don't get an Xbox One, that's fine. But don't sit here and throw things at the wall when you're not really thinking. I think a lot of us, again, are gamers. And if you look at it from a purely gaming perspective, and I don't see what the PlayStation 4 did that was more appealing than the Xbox One. So, you know. It was weird as well, because after the reveal... Mm -hmm. 
I was just like, oh man, we need to see some games. That's what we really, really need to see. Mm-hmm. And then everything will be okay. And then they showed us a whole load of really amazing looking games. And, and it still wasn't okay. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It was okay for the few hours until the Sony conference. Yeah, I agree. Right? I was asleep when that happened. So <laughs> I, I, I woke up to the storm. Yeah, and, but, um, and also Microsoft, to their credit, how much Connect stuff did they show during yeah, the conference? Yeah, I know, totally. I, that's they, exactly what I said at the time. They, they yeah. really didn't focus on Connect. They, they totally um, hammered home core gaming. Yeah. That was the whole point of that was, you know, yeah, they showed some of the video stuff and the extra things you can do, which is cool. You want to know about that. But again, from a purely gaming standpoint, I just, I, I don't, I don't see it. And I think, again, people are being knee jerk. They're being reactive and they're not really thinking about the whole, we have a lot of time until November. Let's get all of it straight. And, and it's the same thing on Sony's side too. Sony comes out at the next conference and says, look, we have all these amazing exclusives. Oh, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Then that's something you have to take into consideration. But I just, even with the games we know, like watchdogs, I, I know it's all kind of developed similarly, but the potential for it is so much bigger on the, th- on the one yeah. than it is on the other systems. This this persistent world thing. I'm, I'm sure it's been hampered some because it's an early development game. So it's not going to utilize that as well as later generation games will. But I, how can you not be excited by that? And nobody's mentioning that. And that's what's really been disappointing or you know sad for me is that nobody's really looking at that part of it. So let's wait and see. Let's, you know, my pre-order is in. It doesn't mean it won't change. I don't see it changing. But um, let's let's get the whole picture before we're all jumping off the boat, I think is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. I mean, I'd echo, I'd echo that as well. And just think about the cool things. <laughs> they, I, to right. me, they totally outweigh the, the negative stuff, but right. we will see. Um, yep. Just before we go, I wanted to thank you for coming on, and um, I wanted to ask you for your game of E3. For me, my game of E3 um, is actually probably Dead Rising 3. I love Dead Rising. I enjoy it. And just... Um, you know, the bigness of the world, I think, is going to be exciting. Uh, Dead Rising games have always been kind of claustrophobic. That's just the nature of them. Um, the fact that they have a game mode now that streamlines it so people who aren't used to Dead Rising can play without worrying about the time constraints, where saving is more accessible is great. But I just can't wait to see how the connect works. That really excited me. That I, I Like, again, I know people get creeped out. It hears what's going on in your living room. But I can't wait to see this actually happening. And the fact that you can shout commands at your survivors that you're helping you can shout taunts at the zombies like all this stuff seems cool and the smart glass integration so you know if my my friend is over and and they're not big into gaming but they they're watching whatever you know or because i do have friends like that that they'll come and they'll hang out but they're not big in it but if i tell them here take my phone and call in this airstrike for me that sounds like cool stuff so um and it's it's a third-party exclusive, which is neat, too. You're not going to get that anywhere else, um, at least initially. We all know with the Xbox 360, there were games that came out like Bioshock that eventually went multi-plat, but at least initially, it's the only place you're going to be able to get it. And I, that's what I want to see. I want to see things that drag me in as a, a consumer and, and make me want to buy this and only this. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. I can't wait to see all the different integration. Fantastic. Okay, great. Uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak on this uh, first piece of TA podcast free DLC. Oh, maybe it's a title <laughs> update. I'm not 100% sure. And, um, a patch or no? <laughs> hopefully we'll see you on the next show proper uh, in a few weeks' time. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Michelle.